Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to episode 340 of Geek Town Radio. I am back this week with... Kitty, kitty, kitty. Bex, how are you doing? Hello, I am utterly exhausted but very happy. (laughs) Excellent. Yes, you've been very busy recently, as you always are, but you've been uh, busy doing events and things, and I did actually see you at one of them this week. Or last week, sorry, it was. Yes, it was interesting to see people in that strange real world. It's like really, really good VR, but slightly (laughs) colder. Yes. And you can't adjust the brightness or put any of the, the controls into dark mode. Um, so, really yeah. have, have sunglasses for, although, you know, wearing them inside, a bit cheesy. <laughs> I don't know. It's either cheesy or makes you really cool. It depends if you're already really cool. <laughs> yes. Depends who you are as whether you can get away with it or not. Definitely. Or how hungover you are, which I think some people definitely were by day four of some of the conventions. Yes, I'm sure. So what were the conventions you were doing? I was invited to be the primary host for OLL Gaming Convention, which was awesome. It's the first one they've ever done, but you wouldn't have known it. They run a gaming cafe in Norwich and they've put on small events and nights at their cafe for quite a while. And this was their first big event in a big hall with loads of traders and a massive stage and everything. And it was really, really good fun. If you told me they'd been doing this for 10 years, I would have believed you. Wow. Um, We had a great turnout as well. There were loads of people there. And uh, yeah, we had some awesome, especially a lot of retro based sort of uh, YouTube creators and um, some very high up people in various gaming media and things on panels. And I was lucky enough to get to host all the panels for two days. We had some great fun and awesome guests, including people like Kim Justice, Ashens, uh, Up Is Not Jump. Uh, we had Nostalgia Nerd who turned up late uh, to hear <laughs> one of his panels. And I'm never going to let him live it down as he tried <laughs> to sneak, not even particularly sneakily across the inside. Two sets of stairs up to the stage. Could have walked up on the side with the empty chair went up walked behind me all of the guests waving as he went (laughs) (laughs) and sat down um we had some we had some good fun jokes about that and then he then he was nice to me in return which made me look awful (laughs) that's me saying what do you have some advice for people who might be starting out on youtube you know apart from turn up on time (laughs) and um then, then later I said, you got a new book out? And he said, yes, you did the cover. It's very nice. And I was like, stop being nice to me. Stop being nice. <laughs> this is not how banter works. You're making me look bad. Um, we had some awesome guests up there um, talking about retro collecting. We discovered that basically all conventions should be sponsored by IKEA Billy bookcases because um, that was everyone's answer pretty much to how do you display your collection. So that was good fun. <laughs> I see. Um, 
I had also a, a stand there as a as a creator. So I had my first ever merch, Trista Bites merch now exists. You and um get your Muppet I, face I was, on t-shirts, yes. <laughs> yeah, my Muppet face on t-shirts, but also my emotes and Sonic the Cake Hog. Of course. Yes. So there is now a Sonic the Cake Hog t-shirt. Excellent. And I was amazed anyone wanted anything I've drawn or made or or, or my face, quite frankly, on a t-shirt. But I think one of the unusual highlights was when somebody walked up to my stand and I'm there and pointed to the cake hog t-shirt and said I know that cake <laughs> they didn't know who I was <laughs> they knew the cake though but they knew Sonic the Cake Hog, presumably because Sega retweeted it a while ago. So they knew the cake and they didn't know me. And I wasn't sure if that was the best or worst possible thing. <laughs> so that was interesting. Um, I've now got pin badges as well, acrylic pin badges. Cool. Including the Cake Hog and my little jammy toast emote and my little save icon, which is a, a little floppy disk that says save on it. Yeah. Um, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's been quite interesting because I just ordered a few of each no one would really want them and ended up having to order some more. Oh, cool. So now I'm just telling myself, well, that's it now. That's everyone that, that wants any and no one else <laughs> is going to want my... So it's very confusing to, to, to sort of be like, these are my drawings. This is my terrible cake and people are buying t-shirts and pin badges of it. <laughs> um, somebody from Sega, the lovely Marta, who, who I've interviewed a few times and was on one of the panels as well, uh, she bought a Sonic the Cake Hog t-shirt and she's threatening <laughs> to wear it on an official Sega stream. <laughs> I've told her not to get herself fired. <laughs> That's funny. So we're going to see if that happens. So yeah, that was that was good fun. They were very nice. I was also asked to, to co-judge a little contest where kids were using old 8-bit computers to draw drawings. And I was asked to be one of the art judges for that. Oh, and awesome. they were, that was lovely. So yeah, there was the Amiga group was there and the uh, Cambridge Centre for Computing History were there. And it was really, really lovely. They had such a wide mix of stuff. So it was a, a, a kind of packed and varied convention. Every from indie games through to merch sellers through to creators and that one was really good fun yeah. um, as everybody wants everything to be in April um, there was no <laughs> point me going home after that one yeah. and I've just been sort of sofa surfing around and I went straight from hosting at OLL to doing four days or five days for me at Insomnia yes which was in so, Birmingham near me yes yeah so I just thought there's no point going home I just sort of worked my way across the country from Norwich to, to Birmingham and uh, yeah, was was an insomnia, which was amazing. First insomnia after the pandemic. Um, yes. I was supposed to host at the one that was going to happen, which would have been during the pandemic that obviously got cancelled. And I was supposed to host there. And I was absolutely gutted because they were going to have me as a host for their expo stage, which is the, the smaller, one of the smaller stages. Yeah. And um, I was going to be doing like a full weekend doing that. So I was absolutely gutted because I was so excited. Mm -hmm. And they not only said, yes, I could do two full days hosting the expo stage, which was everything from introducing panels to, uh, I got up for one of the panels. They um, were doing a, a cosplay versus artists thing. And I said, well, you've got a mannequin. I said, it'd be more funny to use me. So I ended up with stuff sticky tape to me, and, <laughs> like <laughs> fabric off my off the back of my dress, like a, a cape and sort of like, yeah, stuff sticky taped all over me arms and things. Um, Excellent. And that was very funny. And then we also had Just Dance going on for the last few hours of every day. So I was getting people up on stage to dance and hyping them up. And um, yeah, some little kid come came up and uh, Rick rolled everyone. Wasn't expecting like, the little 
little kids to be coming up. It was like, what do you, what I was like, what tune do you want? Is, you know, a parent going to come up here and help you? And they were like, no, you help me find the tune. I was like, okay, I'll help you find the tune. And I was like, what tune would you like? And they were like, it's called Never Gonna Give You Up. Do you know it? And I'm like, yes, I know it, small child. <laughs> so that was good fun. The whole crowd got rickrolled by this little kid and Excellent. danced along. And it was really good. We had everyone from champion players through to people that had never played before. And I, I'd help them and, you know, hype them up and things. So that was good fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, not only did they let me host the expo stage for, for two days, but they actually put me on the main stage. Yes. Which was quite epic. A little bit nerve wracking. Not going to lie. It's a, you know, even though it's a much smaller stage than normal, it's still just over a thousand seater capacity. I, I can't believe that's a smaller stage than normal because it's enormous, that stage. I know that technically is a smaller version of the stage. I and mean, it's a thousand seater. It's um, ridiculously high up. And, and I it's, mean, it's so fancy. It's a beautiful stage. Yes, it is. And, and it is huge, that stage. So God knows what they do normally. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, they were utterly, you know, sort of packed and sold out for quite a few things they were putting on, on the stage. And um, yeah, myself and the legend that is Jason Bradbury do a show on Sundays on his Twitch channel called the 80s Electro Breakdance Party. It's like a big rad quiz of sort of 80s and 90s stuff. And um, yeah, we, we got together some guests. So we had DJ Tim from from Utah Saints. Um, yes. We had Phil Hoy, who is a, a big PlayStation podcaster. We had Quang from Asobitech, uh, who busted out some breakdancing moves saw, for yes, us. Yes, and uh, slightly regretted it afterwards, I think. <laughs> the microphone regretted it. Um, <laughs> I did suggest maybe not using the radio mic, um, <laughs> but uh, the moves were too strong for the microphone. Yes. And uh, we had a Staff Sergeant Burry, who was a last minute addition. Unfortunately, we had somebody needed to swap out and um, yeah we nabbed this staff sergeant from the, the military <laughs> stand and he broke out the best running man I think I have ever seen yes that was very good as well There's yeah excellent photo I think it's a photo you took of me actually an excellent photo of me just going oh and it's just like guy in full military kit doing the running man that's yes. like 110 percent maximum effort and um we, we had a really really good time and uh, we're hoping we'll get to do that show again because it's the first time we've ever done it on on stage yeah. we've always talked about doing it on stage and the pandemic meant that we we obviously went and focused on on twitch so it was really good to kind of go back to to something we'd always talked about doing that because we've been doing it for like i don't know how long that's been now a, quite a while on twitch since the very start of the pandemic and um it's weird to have gone from this thing where i literally got a phone call at the beginning of the pandemic and this voice said hey it's jason and i just went jason who <laughs> And there was like, Jason, you know, gadget show from the telly. We met at EGX and I'd forgotten I'd given him my phone number along with my business card because I'd done it just on this whim, thinking <laughs> nothing will come of this. Completely had forgotten I'd done it. And then we're just like, hi, yes, yeah. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. um, and now we've been working together for two years and yeah. we've been on the main stage at Insomnia together. And I got to drive a, a, a Sinclair C5 up yes. to the stage. It's a way to and make I, an entrance. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hit anyone in the audience. I'm very happy about this. I, I know. Um, I was 
was going to ask is given how high that stage was, were they going to put crash mats around the edge of it, given your usual talent for falling off things? Yes, the dyspraxia is strong with this one. Um, (laughs) But we did, we had to do a lot of health and safety because we had three vehicles. So we were there on the Thursday in full high vis doing full health and safety run throughs. We ran through that intro so many times, deciding exactly where was the safest way. Because obviously, like, you know, Jason could do tricks on his BMX and um, Jason Ladd Res Hex was up there with us as well. And he came across on on one of those one wheel. Oh, yes. uh, I've forgotten the name of it. They're known as hoverboards, although they don't hover. Yes. Yeah, that's why I've denied the name of it, because it's a lie. Um, Yes. Because we had three vehicles for our entrance and one under 18 person on a vehicle, we had to run through a lot of health and safety and stuff. But the team were amazing. Like, I'd be there just saying like, oh, when when we have the crowd cheering, can we have different lights? Can we have the patterns on these big, massive LED strip screens that go across like, you know, wider than than, than my entire house part of the stage? Yes. Uh, Can we have those with a different pattern? And and they, they were amazing at letting us adapt the show. And they were like, oh, we've prepped these things as colorways for all your lights for things is these okay and we we're like yeah this is perfect they'd picked up on the colors we have in our our vts our pre-roll kind of videos oh, wow. but these kind of colors we we're like that's perfect but if we said can we change a bit they'd change a bit they were so so good i mean insomnia it's a huge massive show it's one of the biggest shows that we have in the uk you know they are so on it it's unbelievable mm-hmm. they wonderful to work with and they were so up for anything we wanted to do as well they weren't like no to vehicles they weren't like no to having people break dance on stage and things they were just like right let's just practice this bit and check this bit and yeah they really really good great sports with everything so that's cool and um yeah i've done the main stage once at mcm yes and i've been on the main stage at egx quite a few times now and the side stages at both of those quite a few times so this is my first insomnia main stage so yeah. A little bit nerve wracking because obviously, you know, I don't want to let anyone down, especially not, you know, the, the insomnia people and Jason. And um, we had good fun. We yeah. had a laugh. It went across really, really well, that show. I, I really enjoyed it because I was there in the audience and watching that. And they're back in August as well, insomnia. So, yeah, yeah. hopefully you'll be, you'll be asking if we're going to be back. And I'm like, start tweeting that now. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. I mean, in terms of the rest of the show outside the stuff you were doing, did you get a chance to? look around any of the other bits and pieces because I mean I looked around the big players didn't seem to be as represented as maybe they are at something like EGX but there was a reasonable size indie game section a little bit smaller I mean everything's a little bit smaller whatever yeah, show you go it's to the it's the smallest EGX they've, uh, smallest Insomnia that they've ever done so yeah. it was a lot more pared down than usual Insomnia is normally about four times that size yeah yeah I remember so, I think yeah. we did one in 2019 we went and did together and I remember it was quite a lot bigger but that's pretty much the same across the board for you know this MCM EGX yeah all the shows that have been back they've all been somewhat smaller than they have been previously but uh, some of the big player stands the Nintendo stands and things that normally come over they come over from the states so if they have different restrictions to us yeah they're just not taking that risk and coming over because a lot of the time they're bringing their stuff over from America to do the bigger stands so like that's one of the reasons why we've got sort of a slightly different representation but it's good that they had more indie stuff there and it's good that they had a wide range of stuff going on but obviously for insomnia another big focus is people bring their tents they camp out in a giant hall they play tournaments all night hence the name insomnia so the, the bring your own tent section and that is also a huge part of 
it. And they have a lot of tournaments, a lot of world champion esports players. So they have that heavy focus as well, which you and me aren't as sort of like involved in and things. But yeah. that was still going on there. Uh, in fact, Jason's kid, Res Hex, actually won one of the Fortnite oh, did he? tournaments against yes. some really yeah. big champions. So there was that whole side of it that was also going on. And um, some people were going just for that, which is probably why they kept that bit pretty big. Yeah. But in the next one, I think based on the success of this one, the next one's going to be back up to full capacity, I reckon. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, out of the indie games that were there, I saw some really interesting stuff that people have brought along at sort of various different levels. I mean, a lot of the indie games, they're bringing them along to this to show what they've got so far and they're, they're either in early access or they're in, in, in early development or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, some really good stuff around the indie games. Anything particularly catch your eye out of that stuff well obviously i'm going to shout out the uh, guest i had on stage <laughs> yes for the, uh, of course breakdowns party because yeah sob tech had uh, his game there which is the new one on game boy which is called diffused which has uh, sort of turn-based puzzly type things a little bit sort of bomberman feeling but not if that makes sense yeah worth checking that one out there was a whole bunch of, i didn't get to play as many of them as i wanted but a few of them were also at ol and at egx so quite a few of them i'd already seen yeah i didn't have a huge amount of time to play stuff because obviously thursday setup day yeah. friday was prep and rehearsal day saturday on stage i was also helping out for the dark room in the evening on the saturday oh yes that was the other thing because that's the first time i've actually managed to see the dark room with him actually doing it live i, I did i it's missed the start i hadn't re- i hadn't known he was there i i love the fact that he, the dark room for those of you that don't know it, we have talked about it a little bit before but it, it is essentially it's a live action video game which is sort of improv comedy done by a guy called John Robinson when the opening line is you awaken in a dark room isn't it you awake to find yourself yourself in in a dark dark room room. that's it from there you're then presented with like four options which are things like find a light switch the traditional sort of go north sleep why could be an option as well and you pick one of the options and John basically comes up with the story that leads you to either dying or another four options you know so it yeah, it's a text adventure. And as John rightly says, it's from the time when we didn't need things like graphics or yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, it is um, really, really funny to watch him live. Technically, the one that he was doing during the day was the child-friendly version, although I would use that term very loosely. <laughs> I would also say for a Australian, and if you've ever seen the evening one, <laughs> yeah. the daytime one is the child-friendly one. <laughs> yes, yes. The evening one is a whole lot more I can everything. imagine yes uh, I would uh, uh, yeah check out for look for because if I describe it this podcast will be taken down I should think um, so <laughs> uh, go go on to social media and look for the dark room and John Robertson Robotron and um, find clips of things that happened to insomnia you will think you're having a fever dream but I swear it's entertainment and people pay for it and it's very very funny it was and uh, yeah I got to help out with that one in the evening um, so my Saturday went on until about 1am because kick-out time is optional when you're doing the darkroom. Right. And then the Sunday and the Monday, I was doing the, the stage for both days full right, time. Yeah. 
So my ability to actually go and look at stuff was pretty minimal. Uh, but thankfully, I got to talk to quite a few people that were coming up and doing panels on the stage and stuff. And uh, I got to see a Britical role as well. I don't know if you saw. Oh, I saw, saw they anything were, about that. I, I saw they were there. I, that's what a British version of Critical Role is it? Of some description. They do sort of full acting stuff. So they are in full cosplay ah. and they're sneaking around the stage and and hiding behind the sofas and doing it full in in character style. So Excellent. it's uh, a bit different from Critical Role, but Britical Role is uh, a bunch of of UK presenters. They'll have to forgive me. I've forgotten a lot of names, but um, Rage Darling is one of them who who I know quite well from streaming. Really good streamer. Yeah. And that's the person that made me notice it. And uh, the fact that that she was making her cosplay on stream in the week up to Insomnia. <laughs> I see. Yeah. It was really, really good. Like I was so impressed. I got to sort of meet quite a few people and hang out with quite a few people because of uh, I was on on the on the expo stage. So every time they came up to do stuff, I got to watch from the sidelines, which was very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah so that was good. And uh, the DM for that did kind of say, "Do you play D and was like, "Yes, yes, I do." And they were like, "Maybe in future, if we have some more spots." I was like, "Yes, <laughs> please." It looked so much fun, and I suspect that the Britical role thing will be on one of the bigger stages next time. Yeah. It was packed for the expo stage. Easily could have filled out one of the biggest because normally they have three or four stages. It's, this is the first right, one yeah, with yeah. only two. So yeah, I, I think there will be a medium-sized stage or a larger side stage in, in the future for that one. Yeah. So it was good. And uh, after that, of course, I rested. No, I didn't. <laughs> I went to Format GG, which is another gaming event. I think that, that was also Birmingham. Oh, right. Okay. I think, to be honest, <laughs> I'd started to lose track of where I was in the country. No, maybe it was Manchester. Wait, did I go from Birmingham to Manchester? Yeah, I didn't go from Manchester. Yes, that must have been Manchester. See, this is this is what happens. I haven't been home in weeks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Tuesday I went up to Manchester and Thursday was Format GG, which was an evening event in a kind of slightly more nightclub-y bar type setting. Yes. So it had a whole bunch of indie games, but also in the downstairs it had games and dance floors and everyone can were there and, and charity stuff and, and things, which was good fun. But I also, again, stayed up until about one in the morning, which is why I don't know what city I was in. Um, <laughs> so that went well. Excellent. So yes, being busy and staying up late. <laughs> which I'm is so awesome. tired. It's Somnium was really, really good fun because that was the one that I went along to, uh, to as well. And um, I, it was so nice to have that back. And it was really well organized. As I said, a little bit smaller than usual, but that's the same for pretty much every event at the moment as they sort of slowly get back into it. So uh, I'm looking forward to that being sort of back in full force. If you want to know more about some of the games we looked at, there is a post up on the website. If you just search on the website for Insomnia, you'll find that. And there's a view of five of the independent games as well as some photos of Bex up on stage and a bit of a write-up of the dark room and some other bits and pieces so uh, go and check that out on the website outside of any of this is there any other stuff you've been doing well being that i couldn't go home and um, <laughs> I, I couldn't do anything else i decided to actually watch some things oh so yeah i've actually watched some stuff i know so, uh, wow. the inability to work due to being exhausted and not at home near my computer meant that um yeah i actually logged into netflix and things and i 
watch some stuff. So I have now finally seen the Suicide Squad. Yes. What did you um, think? I, I mean, I saw Starro in the trailer, so I was happy. You know, yeah, like, yeah. It was good fun. I did not expect, I'm assuming spoilers are okay at this point, or I can do yeah, this in a non-spoiler. I, like, I, mm. I think spoilers are okay at this point. It's been out long enough. Yeah, I'm that far behind that I can't actually tell you how long it's been out. I did not expect, spoiler alert, them to kill off Captain Boomerang no. and potentially Rick Flagg as well. I was just like, what? 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 I was like, ah, yeah, okay. This is a thing that's happened. I liked it better than the non-the version. They needed a subtitle. Honestly, I expected them to subtitle it the better one. I really think they missed a trick there. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of the the Suicide Squad, just better, you know, like a better longer run cut, but just, you know, better longer uninterfered by with the studio. Yes. Um, so I did enjoy it more than the last one, which just had a clearly so many issues in production. This was a much more cohesive feeling movie. And there was stuff in it and as you said they killed people off um, they did which is what's supposed to happen in Suicide Squad you know and they kill a lot of people off in this one as well which is awesome yeah so I did enjoy it I did like the fact they actually used Starro because it is the sort of bizarre thing that they do in the Suicide Squad and yes. it's just Starro is just something that you don't expect to ever see in a movie it's a giant starfish kaiju um, yes I was sad that Captain Boomerang got killed off I expected him to get more screen time than that maybe yeah. he was busy doing other stuff I don't know but I expected him to get a bit more screen time even if they were going to kill him off because he was all over the trailers you know and he's yeah. such a fan favourite that was good fun and then I went straight into watching the entirety of Peacemaker yes the show with the best opening title sequence ever created yes it was amazing I expected the title sequence to like relate to something in the show no it just doesn't no. I thought there was going to be like someone had a fever dream and that was the dream or that there was going to be a dance floor and Peacemaker was going to dance like that and that's what I thought it was going to relate to something in the show in some and it just didn't it was just epic for no reason and I yeah. loved it like I keep humming the tune now yes it just keeps getting in my head I just like walking around humming the tune like so I'm not doing the dance moves yet but give it a week and I enjoyed Peacemaker a lot I, I don't know how long that one's been out because I literally don't know what's going uh, on in the world so um, I, I'll keep the spoilers less yes. for that one Yes, they're still running it out weekly on Sky at the moment. I'd actually yeah. already seen it, but yes, it's fantastic. It is good. It's interesting the way they, because you, you sort of peacemaker, you see sort of one part of him, you see him in the field in the movie and you get the idea that he's not all there in some ways and yeah. that there's stuff going on with him, uh, especially sort of near the end of the movie in Rick Flagg's opinion of him. And then in the show, they really flesh out the character. They have a lot more points where he seems kind of incompetent but then as soon as he's back in the field he knows what to do again yeah it's like they managed to make him an interesting likable mass murderer yes and they add other characters in so I don't know like the peacemaker I mean he's changed a lot in the comics over the years but it's not a comic I know incredibly well yeah they've gone off a little bit in their own direction with what they're doing here what little I know about vigilante who's another character in it he's completely different in the comics so it's very much their own thing with some of these characters but Mm -hmm. really really again I won't say anything about Vigilante but really liked him very likeable again mass murderer they don't hold any of their punches yeah at all 
like they really go a hundred percent into what they're doing in it and um, it is quite dark in places it's funny in a dark kind of way in a lot of places mm. and um, good cast of characters I did feel a little bit with Peacemaker like I was watching people who'd auditioned for a different role does that make sense yes I sort of know what you mean Some of I them... sort of felt like maybe there was a, a slight Deadpool audition going on and a slight Black Widow audition going on because <laughs> yeah. I could really see you know or Riddler audition going on you know yeah. I could see like in another universe these people were cast as different comic book characters in different movies yes not in a bad way at all they were brilliant in the roles that they are in this but it just I could kind of see hints of like but possibly quite intentional archetypes yeah. being used because Peacemaker, obviously that there are certain ideas, stereotypes and things that they are playing on and then subverting. So it might well be completely intentional. I need to do a bit of research to be like, is this intentionally feeling a bit like these other archetypes and then subverting it? Yeah. Because that's quite possibly completely intentional because it, it did lean into the archetype of like, you know, the tough female trained from birth lead, the tough kind of guy whose childhood was bad and has a tragic backstory and is now a bit warped and the yeah. you know the, the happy go lucky killer type you know it has yeah, yeah. I think it's probably completely intentional but it was quite interesting to sort of spot all those things very much so yeah uh, what else did I watch uh, I watched other stuff like this is the, this is the most I've ever watched in one of these <laughs> podcasts isn't it um I watched the first Sonic movie oh yes as a Sonic fan how was that because I've not actually seen it so Ooh, I, okay I, I, I don't really know that much but I know you're a big Sonic fan so how was it for you? It's a really really nice good children's family movie of Sonic Right. <laughs> I, I like I did enjoy it under those terms yeah. but I don't think I'm the target audience. Bear in right. mind, I thought lots of Peacemaker was funny, right? Yeah. So, so the Sonic movie is really well done. It's really nice, but it, it, it's very much a kids and the parents watching it together type film. Um, so it's really sweet. It's really lovable. The animation, thankfully, is really lovely. <laughs> so it's really good. I think for me, I'm just what I want is like the Sat AM dark dystopian set in Sonic's Mobius world. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Justice for Sally. I want Sally back. That's kind of the stuff I grew up with Sonic. Just how even as a child was I just interested in really dark post-apocalyptic nightmares. Um, so that's kind of the stuff I really like is the stuff set in Sonic's universe and the kind of freedom fighter type things and the, the sort of slightly darker side of that that we had in some of the cartoons when I was a kid. And this is Sonic comes to Earth and makes friends and then they go on a bit of a road trip. Right, okay. Robotnik origin story, which isn't the origin story that I know and love. So right, yes. <laughs> it, it's like, it's a really good film. It's really, really well done. It's very sweet, but it's, yeah, it's like if you've got kids that like like Sonic um, and you want to watch a movie with them or if you just like you know like that kind of family type movie yeah. then re really lovely and really well done but I think for me I'm just like but where's the freedom fighters where's the bunny rabbit with robot arms because she lost a fight and now she's got robot limbs and, <laughs> and you know and Sally Acorn trying to like rile up the fighters because like Robotnik's killing everyone yeah which is not what they were going for can't think why but they decided that you know mass murder and, and cyborgs and stuff wasn't the way to go for like little kids <laughs> yes so I have been through watching quite a lot the last few weeks then it has yeah it's the most television I've watched in an enormous amount of time <laughs> what about you what have you been watching well I finished off Severance which okay. is the Apple TV series Severance we've talked a bit about this before because Matt's 
been watching it as well. And uh, if you don't know the show, the basic premise of it is Guy works at this company and the thing that he's working on is supposed to be so secure that what they do is they sever the work brain from the home brain. So the person at work doesn't have any knowledge of the life of the person at home and the person at home doesn't have any knowledge of what his life is at work. The side product of this is the person at work essentially never leaves work because they step into an elevator and become the home person and step out of the elevator and become the work person. So the work person never leaves the office. And it's a really interesting, incredibly bizarre, well-written, very well-directed. It's uh, Ben Stiller is the person that sort of brought it to screen. He was not the writer, but he's the director and sort of guy showrunning it. It's just a very interesting take on that sort of work-life balance idea and also what happens to the people when they only have the work to deal with and then the work is odd and slightly mysterious and has a sort of semi-religious kind of cult thing going on throughout it as well because of the type of work they're doing it's a really odd interesting beautifully structured series i imagine it will be up for an awful lot of awards because it's got praise across the board for it and thankfully it has been renewed for a second season given where the first season ends because the cliffhangers on those last three episodes are monumental and uh, particularly it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger as well so I'm so happy that they've renewed it for a second season because it is just superb there are some things where you think you know where it's going and then takes this weird right turn it's just so so well put together I mean Apple's been doing incredible jobs with their dramas and this is another one that's very much added to that list have you managed to get an Apple subscription yet because I I, there is a but now I want one yeah, I mean, there are so many brilliant shows on that. There's this, there's the adaptation that they've done of Foundation, which is beautifully done. Yeah, uh, I've heard a lot about that one. For All Mankind, which is the alt history thing with Joel Kinnaman in the lead role about the Russians beating the US to the moon and sort of how that changes the space race. There's C, which is the Jason Momoa thing. There is the morning show. There is comedies like Ted Lasso and Dickinson and Mythic Quest, which is hilarious and set in a gaming company. It's just so many amazing shows on Apple. There's not as many as you get with some of the other streaming services, but rather than taking the route that Netflix went, which is make a load of sort of meddling budget shows and throw them all at the wall and see what sticks, Apple very much took the high road of we are making top quality, decent drama, comedy. We're going to make very, very high quality shows. And that seems to be working for them because they are just winning awards across the board and Severance is up there with them. It's brilliantly put together. I've finished the first season of that. Very much looking forward to the second season of that coming. Russian Doll returned on Netflix. Second season of that. Got through the whole of that because they're only like eight episodes, I think, and they're they're only half an hour long. So they're not very long. Oh, if they dropped it all in one go. Yes, because it's Netflix and they do drop it all in one go. Second season, it is good. Obviously, the Russian Doll, the first season, was Natasha Lyons in the lead role. And it's about this woman who is stuck in a party in this time loop and keeps on dying 
but always ends up back at the party when she dies at the end of it. So that was the premise for the first season. Second season, it's set a few years further on and things have gone sort of back to normal, but then she finds herself getting onto a train and going back in time. And suddenly time is a thing again. And she starts to wonder about what she could change. If she can change anything, you know, could she improve her childhood? Could she, you know, what could she do? And it becomes about that and getting onto this train and sort of that's kind of the time machine element to it. I don't think the second season holds together quite as well as the first one did. It's still well written. I just think when they're jumping around in time so much, it maybe isn't quite as solidly structured as the first season was because that was very well looped together connected thing. And I don't think the second season quite does it as well. I do think it's still a very good show, but it's just not quite as good as the first season in terms of holding its plot together, I don't think. But uh, yeah, still, the bar was very high with the first season. Yeah, and was a very self-contained thing. It's one of those things that it was very popular. They kind of came up with another premise for a second season, and I just don't think the second season premise works quite as well as the first one. Still very enjoyable and still certainly worth watching. The Rising, which is the new Sky series, I can finally talk about this because I saw a couple of episodes that I haven't actually got to watching the rest of the series yet, but I I saw the opening two episodes months and months ago because I interviewed the cast for it and then they moved the date around. But I'm seeing a lot of positive reviews for it. This is the series where girl wakes up, apparently having been knocked out, she wakes up in a lake, soon realises that she wasn't knocked out, she's actually dead and looks like she's been murdered and he's not very happy about this fact and wants to go and find the people that seemingly murdered her. It is a drama. It's got a very dark sense of humour to it as well, but it is primarily a drama. But there is a, a nice sort of, that sort of dark British humour undertone going on as well, which I really rather enjoy. It's all available on Sky and the streaming service now if you want to go and check that out. But that's The Rising and it is well worth watching. The other thing I watched this week was The Batman. So, uh, which is the new Batman film. I mean, it's been out for a while, but it's just had its home release. What, what, what did you think? And did you pause it and have several intervals so you could go to the bathroom and get food and things? I did have a few breaks in it. I have to say, it is very long. I was in the cinema. Right, yes. Three hours. Yes. And then I waited all the way through the credits to see if there was an end credit scene. And there isn't. <laughs> there isn't really, no. And then I couldn't stand up because my knees had locked because I had mild early onset arthritis so then it took me five minutes to stand up God. <laughs> yeah. they needed an interval they could have sold me more popcorn for one thing I mean they really needed to let the editor do their job yes they did I, I, it's like a director's cut but like Snyder cut director's cut gone wild the thing it's yeah. so long every idea is in there see for me it's really interesting because on the one hand it's got this sort of detective noir thing going on which I really enjoyed and it's something that has been missing from the films was the sort of detective part of the story, which is very prevalent in the comic books, but mm. they've always gone for the sort of whiz-bang action-y thing with the movies, and that sort of detective side has been missing, but they kind of course-corrected it slightly too far across that way for my liking, because there were some action scenes in there, but one of the things that struck me was Batman was walking everywhere. 
in the comics, he travels either by the car or across the rooftops of the city. The amount of times that you got kind of cut Batman walking into a room started to kind of bug me slightly as you wanted a slightly more impressive entrance each time. Also, they kept shooting like the angle. One of the things I noticed that to make him look more imposing, they'd done a lot of shooting the angle so that he looks like he's looming over people. But he's quite a narrow lad. Yes. So he all sort of ends up looking a bit beanpole with a tiny head. <laughs> yeah. I was watching this in the cinema, so it's a big screen, so I couldn't ignore this kind of slight false perspective thing. So I thought he was maybe quite short and they were trying to make him look taller. But then actually it turns out he's really tall and he didn't need that angle. Yeah. Like they, it just, it felt weird because they ended up just kept thinking like, is Batman's head smaller than everyone else's? Like I just <laughs> kept distracting me. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they just had so many slow kind of arty shots that were like, kind of like, yes, that's Batman looking in the mirror of his bike watching someone else ride away. Yes, that is, that's the mirror again. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like going like this. Someone has side-eyed at things like 300 and, um, and oh, the obvious comic book movie that's shot mostly in black and white with yellow. Sin City. Sin City. That's the one. I knew what I meant. Uh, yeah, it sort of felt like some of those kind of arty shots where it almost went in a kind of comic book. You could see the comic book panels almost. Um, and there's lots about the Batman that I, I really did like, but they were just other bits where I was like uh, a bomb just blew up and he's not even got any dirt on his face um, yeah. <laughs> and just various things where I was like editing this would have worked in its favour a lot to make it like I got to the point where I was like well it isn't going to be this person because they have to walk to five different locations before they find the perpetrator for this because everything was mm. like oh it isn't this it's this oh it isn't this it's this oh it isn't this it's this and it's like it stopped feeling like detective work and a little bit more just going and knocking on every door and yeah. um, you know it's supposed to be like following a breadcrumb trail but it happened with everything and if mm. you have the Riddler and you, you have like them solving clues you can't just do it sort of the same way every time if you're doing a whole bunch of them in a movie so there was that there were lots of beautiful shots in it and there were lots of good things in it there wasn't quite enough of Bruce Wayne Bruce yes. Wayne was just Spider-Man 3 wants its hair cut back emo <laughs> the haircut slightly annoyed me more than it probably it's should it's like he's rich he's got shampoo yeah like I just don't think that's shortcut anymore yeah. for like moody. Emo Bruce Wayne I had an issue with because Bruce the difference is this is supposed to be early in his career as Batman it's like year two essentially and but he I, still should be doing the Bruce Wayne act. Yeah yeah, because he's raised thing. a socialite so yeah. he still should be putting on a front even if he's not very good at it even yeah. if he's coming across as rude and abrasive and dismissive and even if ever someone's not looking at him the smile goes off his face like that yeah. like he just wasn't at, it's like it's obvious you're Batman you just, you're just behaving like Batman as both there was none of that disconnect and I think that could have been done yeah. better and that maybe as the movie went on maybe in order to go and find some information Bruce Wayne needed to go and go to a party and he needed to start learning to put on that mm-hmm. front yeah. because it's such an integral part of what Batman does and he's raised in high society so he would have been able to do that to a certain degree even if it was badly so that was quite frustrating but somebody in my chat made a really good point that it really felt like you were watching a three or four part TV series because there were so many mini climaxes to the plot and I thought that hit hard Mm. I was like yeah this might have been much better if you wanted it that long to do it as a multi-part series Yeah, I kind of agree with you there I mean what I'd like to see is a little 
little bit more push back towards the slightly more sort of comic booky fun of the Snyderverse stuff. I almost want them to take the sort of Snyderverse version of Batman and this version of Batman and mash them into each other because I think it needs a bit more of that sort of Snyderish comic bookness mixed with this sort of noir stuff. I think there you've got a tighter, funner version of Batman that was also the kind of Dark Knight, world's greatest detective thing. I, I think there is a version of a film in there that is sort of a mashup of those two styles. But this, I think, just was way far too over to one side. And well, I'm glad they did it. It needs a little bit more light in there. I mean, it actually needs more light in there. I mean, that was the, that was the other thing. Is I it, mean, is, everyone in Gotham could only afford two light bulbs. Like. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, it needs lightness in tone, and it needs lightness in physical lighting in that film mm-hmm. as well, because it is very, very dark. Half the time, it's like, who is that? What's that actor? I, I can't see anybody's face. Yeah, um, they took the film noir thing and they really, really ran with it with no contrast. I think if you look at something like Dark City, yes, that managed to have that darkness, that film noir, that spookiness and that atmosphere, but also had a lot more colour mm-hmm. and um, a lot more lighting and a lot more variation in the tones and the contrasts of the different set decoration and scene and, and framing. Yeah, And I think it would have benefited from looking a little bit more like that, although it is a very good portrayal of Gotham as somewhere dark and sort of like beyond saving and things. So I have really mixed feelings on it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the casting was pretty good for all of it. I'll yeah. give that. And the mood and the atmosphere was there. I think it was nearly there, but just not quite. Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. That would be my feeling on it as well, is I liked it and I'm glad that they tried this. I don't think it's quite there. I think there were little bits and pieces that annoyed me. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's nearly kind of there, but a lot of issues with the pacing of it. It needed to be faster. It needed a little bit more action in there. Um, the Batman needed to be kind of more Batman-y. Bruce needed to be more Bruce, you know? So not going to be up there with the Nolan movies, which I think are, the, are probably the best version of Batman we've had so far. I mean, I like things about the Snyder versions as well, but we haven't really had a solo version of that either. So yeah, I'm glad I've seen it. And I'm sort of interested to see what they do next, because there are a lot of changes going on at DC. And I mean, we don't know whether all this stuff is going to get ditched and they're just going to start again because there is changes in the management and they're trying to bring somebody in that will actually shepherd the DC stuff into some sort of coherent thing rather than the big mess of disparate bits and pieces that it is right now. They're trying to get their Kevin Feige in there. We don't know who that is yet, but that seems to be the plan under the new Warner Brothers Discovery Management. So we'll see where it goes moving forward. But um Interesting needed an editor, but you yeah, know, I not felt like type. the editor was fighting the director slightly with this one. Yes, um, quite potentially possibly. there. Quite possibly. So we'll see whether we get another Batman movie out of them or whether they go an entirely different direction moving forward, but we'll see. That's all the stuff we've been doing this week. We'll uh, move on to some TV and film news. <laughs> It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. We kick off the TV and film news with the renewals, cancellations and pickups. Uh, one thing not so much cancelled, but is coming to an end. Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous. This is coming for its final fifth season on the 21st of July. They've announced, but they have also said that will be the final season. Gets a lot of love that animated series and it sounds like it's one of those things that is sort of aimed as a sort of family thing but has a much larger audience than maybe it possibly really intended and it's sort of way better than it possibly should be and the the entire premise of it being that there is a children's camp that is on one side of the jurassic world island which seems like a horrifically badly planned thing to do having a children's camp on an island full of dinosaurs but oddly slightly on point for the uh, people that run Jurassic World as well, I would say. It's the coolest and worst idea ever, which is basically the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World (laughs) series in a nutshell, isn't it? Yes, pretty much. That's 21st of July. That's got the fifth and final season of that coming. Renewals, we've had quite a few this week. Goldberg's renewed for season 10, so that will be coming back. Big Mouth and its spin-off Human Resources. Uh, Big Mouth renewed for season 7, Human Resources for season 2, so they're both coming back on Netflix. The Proud Family Louder and Prouder has been renewed for season two on Disney Plus. It's been a good week for animation. And Hudson and Rex has been renewed for a fifth season. That's the, I think it airs on Alibi over here, but it's Canadian drama about a kind of Turner and Hooch, but not Turner and Hooch sort of idea. And From, which is a horror series on epics that has been renewed for a second season hasn't gone out here yet but netflix do have it internationally apparently that's from which is a horror series which is a a terrible name for a tv series could try googling from as like (laughs) even if you google from tv you're still not going to find anything it's going to be worse it's a terrible name for it you didn't think the social media through that at all it's on epics in the u.s netflix internationally and that's been renewed for a second season Turn to pick up some other news. There has been quite a lot of Disney Plus stuff because they announced all their May dates. Life and Beth, which is the Amy Schumer series, that's coming on the 18th of May. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the film. This comes on the 20th of May. Have you heard about this? Because I you No, know, this... I have not heard about this. There's a good job there's no video because my shocked face is comical right now. I will pitch this to you and see what you think. So okay. Chippendale there is a movie there is a teaser trailer up for this so you can go and find that it is on the website this is described as not a reboot but a comeback so it's Chip and Dale are living amongst the cartoons and humans in a modern day Los Angeles very much reframe Roger Rabbit but their lives are quite different now it's been decades since their successful TV series was cancelled and Chip has succumbed to a life of suburban domesticity as an insurance salesman while Dale meanwhile has had CGI surgery and is working the nostalgia convention circuit desperate to relive his glory days. When a former castmate mysteriously disappears, Chip and Dale must repair their broken friendship and take on the Rescue Rangers detective personas once again to save their friend's life. That's the setup for it. There's just going to be a weird pause while I process this information. You may, Mr. Insert that crickets noise. Um, (laughs) 
I I don't know if that's the best or worst thing I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't have an answer for you. I'm I, genuinely speechless. I mean, if they are going down a Hugh Who Framed Roger Rabbit style route, yes. then it could, it could be good. It's very much done in the sort of Hugh. In fact, I think in the trailer, Roger Rabbit does make a cameo appearance. Chip's been voiced by John Mulaney. Dale's been voiced by Andy Samberg, who are both phenomenal comic actors. Those are the people doing the voices for it. Is they gone for Chip and Dale just because they were cheaper licenses and, I, and I, less people would care. I, I don't, I don't understand, but I kind of want to watch it. Yeah, go and check out the trailer for it. Go Google the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie trailer because it does look quite funny. I love the idea that Dale has had this 3D CG surgery, so Chip is still a 2D character while Dale is a 3D character. <laughs> which I think is just a wonderful idea of a sort of premise for it. And it's the pair of them going on this kind of, you know, there, there's this broken friendship and the pair of them going on this new adventure together. I was very surprised because I was thinking when they announced this, it was just going to be, oh, they're making a Chippendale movie, whatever. And then I saw the trailer for it. I was like, no, I really need to see this. <laughs> it looks brilliant. Uh, it's not often I'm genuinely stumped, uh, but uh, yeah, that just happened. Yes. Go and check out the trailer for that but that's Chippendale Rescue Rangers the movie that's coming on the 20th of May to Disney Plus so that's where you'll be able to find it other things on Disney Plus Wu-Tang American Saga which is sort of a fictionalised version of the history of the formation of the Wu-Tang Clan that's coming on the 25th of May Obi-Wan of course starts this month as well that's on the 27th of May and that drops the first two episodes together Pistol coming on the 31st of May which is a kind of fictionalised history of the Sex Pistols based on a biography of one of the guys in the band. So there's that coming as well. And then over on Skymax, we got an advanced air date for the Midwich Cuckoos, which is this new version of that book. That is an adaptation by David Farr, the guy behind The Night Manager, and Hannah as well. That looks like it's going to be really good. So that's coming Friday the 3rd of June on Skymax. One of the other things that I just wanted to get your thoughts thoughts on was uh, there was news came out this week about Netflix and Netflix since the start of the year has apparently lost 160 billion in market value and 57 billion of that they lost in one day that was after they came out and announced that they lost 200,000 subscribers in the first three months of the year and they're expecting to lose 2 million more later this quarter so Netflix seemingly in trouble right now and they sort of alluded to it a little bit earlier their, their policy seems to be sort of make a bunch of mid-leveling shows throw them on the wall and hope one sticks whereas places like amazon and disney and apples that are making far far higher quality things you know netflix does one or two high-end shows i mean there's what the witcher i guess they've got at the moment but they're few and far between on netflix and there's a lot of trash on there and in all honesty i mean i have all the streaming services because i kind of have to because it's my job but in all honesty if i was going to get rid of one streaming service at this point it would probably be netflix and netflix have just raised their price as well i mean the 
if you want the UHD tier, because that's the other thing is they charge extra for you having UHD, which is a weird thing to do in 2022. If you want the tier that gives you UHD, it's something like £15 a month at this point, which is a ridiculous amount of money when you bear in mind that Disney Plus, which has an awful lot of content on it, is like £7.99 and most of the others are like £7.99 as well. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Well, I'm starting to see memes on Twitter, which is just, you know, them saying like, oh, we're going to charge extra for high def. And it's like, you know, everyone watching Netflix on their phone, just kind of laughing. I'm not convinced that's going to get them the extra money that they want because a lot of people watch on smaller devices now. It doesn't affect a lot of their base users to charge extra for that. So I I won't be paying the extra. I watch on my laptop quite a lot. The the screen's just not that big. But yeah, they it does seem to over recent years that they have like, especially with all the Disney things going away, they just try to fill the amount of shows. They just try to have the most shows. And that didn't, you know, wasn't the case before. But you've seen various shows, Netflix has dropped them because they didn't have enough people watching them. People sort of got to the point now where they just expect Netflix to make one series and drop it. So they're not getting as invested. Mm. And it's been quite a few things like that where they just haven't been willing to keep a show going if it isn't getting the maximum amount of watchers, Mm. um, which just isn't, isn't really how it works with the streaming service. Things are much more slow burn. Things have been on the service for a while and will suddenly get popular and suddenly get a few more viewers. It isn't just about people watching it the week it comes out. (laughs) And if they don't adapt to that, people are just going to start thinking of them as the service that never finishes anything. And that's going to cost them viewers because there's been quite a few things that have been on Netflix. And then I've started watching them. I've got invested in them and then realized they only made one series or it got canceled sort of in the middle of something. I'm pretty sure the OA was one of the ones that was on yeah. Netflix. The, the Holistic Detective. Oh, uh, I forgot. I'm so tired. Yeah, yeah Dirt Gently. That's the one. Dirt Gently had two series, got really, really good. And then that got canned. Um, um, the Altered Carbon as yeah, well. Yeah, Altered Carbon as well. And they just if it doesn't get that immediate amount of people watching it, they're just cancelling stuff, which means whenever a new series comes out, people go, well, I'm going to wait and see. Mm -hmm. And then they cancel that. And I think it is one of those tactics that, in the long term will always backfire because you can get series on something like Netflix that have been there for years that suddenly go viral for some reason or other and get really big so it isn't about just the yeah. latest thing it has to be about the whole catalogue because yeah. that whole catalogue is is staying with you we see it with YouTube all the time like you make a video and then sometimes I'll go look at my analytics because I don't do YouTube videos hugely often nowadays I'm yeah. mostly doing Twitch but I do still do YouTube a bit and so, sometimes you'll just see a video spike because mm-hmm. uh, I had a video on the, the Gundam Unicorn in Japan and it was featured on the Olympics. They showed the Gundam Unicorn and uh, right. the BBC famously referred to it as a transformer. Yes. And um, suddenly people were looking for what that was. And I had a bit of a spike in viewership. The video is years old. And um, yeah. they, they need to take that into account because if you just fill up all your back catalogue of rubbish, people are then just trying to sift through it mm-hmm. and not feeling like they're getting value. It's got to be a bit more quality over quantity. And uh, yeah, sticking with the series is so... Yeah. Hopefully they can turn it around. I, I think that's that's been the problem is they've started to raise prices. They're talking about adding as one possible solution, adding a cheaper but ad supported tier. And my view is if you're going to put an ad supported tier in, it needs to be free because if you're going to deal with ads, then it should be a free service, not not you're paying some money and ads. And, you know, I think no. it depends how uh, they but, did it. 
Yeah, if they put the ads on the main search page and not in the middle of your show. Yes, maybe. Then maybe, or just one ad. Because uh, things like Amazon Prime, they will stick a trailer that's a skippable trailer on the beginning of an episode you're watching or yes. after an episode you're watching. You if you can do that, but it's got to be quite cheap and yeah. it's got to be not too invasive, I think. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it does depend how they do it. I, and I mean, maybe that is a way, but I don't know. I'm a bit mm, about that. So there's that. The other issue is the fact that like you say the the public have lost trust in them because of the fact that they cancel shows too quickly I mean you look at all the other streaming services like Amazon will not wait for figures before they renew a show I mean things like Carnival Row for example which we're still waiting for the second season of that to actually drop but they announced the second season of that before it even went to air because they saw it internally went this is a decent quality show we're going to make a second season of it and they did the same thing with I think Wheel of Time and a number of their other shows they have the internal confidence in it that we think this is a good quality show we're going to tell people beforehand we believe in this we're going to make a second season whereas Netflix will put a season out wait and see how it does on the numbers and then cancel it and you're like well rather than making a million little kind of mid-leveling shows put some money into some bigger stuff because you look at what Apple are doing Apple is kind of the pinnacle of high quality streaming shows right now and i mean i know there's more money floating around in places like apple and places like amazon and of you know obviously disney as well and disney does have the advantage of the fact that they've got marvel and star wars to play with of course but it needs they need they to- did used to i mean it's a weird one because they started doing some really interesting stuff like we had series like osmosis mm-hmm. and that was amazing and when they were starting to do more stuff working with netflix in multiple different countries and bringing those to, yeah. to all countries. There's some really, really good stuff, especially sci-fi and not stuff that was too high budget either. Stuff that was perfectly doable but had like an interesting kind of storyline and an interesting sort of additional element to it like with Osmosis with the technology. It's not an expensive thing to do but it was a very interesting idea and they seemed like they were willing to go out on a limb a little bit at one point mm-hmm. and now it just seems like they're afraid to kind of take those chances. Yeah, there was a change at some point where Netflix, certainly back in the early days were quite prepared to make original series and renew them and now if you get three seasons on Netflix you're lucky and there was a change about four or five years ago I don't know when it was I can't remember exactly when it was but we started to notice that they kind of started to bottle it and you started to get a lot of things getting cancelled and it's like the algorithm is sort of you know this machine mind has taken over and it's like well these scales don't quite balance therefore we're cancelling the show and it, it it seems to be all hail the algorithm rather than any kind of human intervention in there of going well actually this is a decent quality show and no it's not got quite as high numbers but i think we can do some marketing to boost this and that's the other problem is the amount of times i've had conversations particularly with matt where they've announced they've cancelled something and it sounded like an interesting show and was like well this is the first i've heard of it because they put so much stuff out there and then don't market it properly that's also an issue so there are multiple problems i don't think it's unsolvable but they need to do something to get netflix back on track because clearly 160 billion is quite a lot to lose off your market share <laughs> you know it's uh, not an insignificant amount i'd certainly notice if uh, my bank account went down by that, that amount overnight 
Yes. So we'll see what happens moving forward, but it's going to be an interesting one. They Clearly, there has been some conversations going on at Netflix. We'll see whether this actually changes their tactics or not. But yeah, uh, Perhaps we need a drama series that's set in Netflix where they're fighting against the hive mind <laughs> that's now the algorithm they all have to bow down to and worship. I mean, that I think we've just written a good series that would explain what was happening there. Yes, that would make perfect sense. I think that's a very good idea. So moving on to a couple of other news stories... Speaking of Apple, they have ordered another series, which is called Hijack. And uh, it's got some very interesting people and uh, an interesting premise involved. It's Idris Elba is starring in it and he's exec producing it. It might scratch that 24 itch for some people because it's told in real time. So I think it, they said it's over seven hours. So it's, it's basically seven one hour episodes described as a tense thriller that follows a journey of a hijacked plane as it makes its way to London over the seven hour flight. And the the authorities on the ground are scrambling for answers. Idris Elba will star as Sam Nilsson, an accomplished negotiator in the business world who needs to step up and use his guile to try and save the lives of the passengers, but his high-risk strategy could be his undoing. That's the setup for it. What really interests me about this is it's from George Kay and Jim Field Smith. George Kay, apart from writing Lupin, which was a sort of one of those Netflix dramas that happened to hit, they also worked on Criminal, which was another Netflix Netflix show. This is Netflix's other problem is people are walking away from them and going to Apple to make higher quality shows. Criminal was that show which was set in an interview interrogation room. I don't know whether you saw any of that, but it was brilliant. It was the interrogators with the same group of cops every week, but the interrogatee changed and they had guest stars come in every week. And there's two seasons of it. It's only they're sort of half an hour, 45 minutes long, and there's probably about eight, 10 episodes overall but that was a really really good series and uh, it's those two guys that are behind it and uh, as I say Lupin was the other thing that George K wrote uh, The Wrong Mans was the other thing that Jim Field Smith was involved with George K is writing it and Jim Field Smith is directing it and Idris Elba is producing it and they're making it for Apple TV we don't know when that's going to land yet but that is called Hijack that show and it's a real time drama I, I rather like the sound of this particularly as it's done in real time I think that could be interesting yeah I wasn't a huge fan of 24 but I knew a lot of people who were epically into it I always just wondered when they peed <laughs> I, I just that kind of thing just distracted I was like they haven't had a drink in three hours is that okay I, I knew a lot of people who got very much behind it it's very difficult to write a series that way where mm. you can't jump jump around time wise to sort of skip any boring bits so yeah if they, they managed to write that well and it looks like they have a good team behind it then it takes a lot of skill to get that to work when you just can't skip any time parts so yeah, interesting one. Yeah, I do like the sound of that. So I might mention that to Matt next time he's on because Matt, as you will know, is a huge 24 fan. So that will be uh, one to, to see what he thinks of. And the other news story, which when I first saw it, I went and checked to make sure it hadn't been posted on April the 1st because this is so odd. <laughs> but uh, it's genuine and this is coming. And again, maybe points at possibly why Netflix isn't doing so well. Exploding Kittens, the animated series, and a game is coming, a mobile game apparently, both coming to Netflix, and it's going to be starring a voiced by Tom Ellis and Lucy Liu as two of the members of the cast. The premise for the animated series, and if you don't know Exploding Kittens, it's based on a card game thing. Exploding Kittens will feature the internal conflict between heaven and hells. It reaches epic proportions when both God and the devil are sent to earth in the bodies of chunky house cats. 
So, yeah. Um, no news on exactly who people are playing. So we don't know whether Tom Ellis is going to be voicing the devil in this or not. So we'll see. It comes from Shane Kozowski, who has worked on things like Archer and The Muppets and You're the Worst. And Matthew Immen, who is the person that created The Oatmeal, which is an online webcomic and is very, very funny. It's got exec producers, Mike Judge, who is the person behind things like King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead, and Greg Daniels, who was behind Parks and Rec and Upload. So that gives you the kind of sort of mind sensibilities of where this is going. As well as being an animated series, they're also having a video game, which is a mobile game, which is going to be available on the Netflix mobile app as well. I really like the card game. I suspect that the card game is just the art style and the cool name and has no relation to this otherwise because they'd have no characters very quickly. It's Exploding Kittens is the name of the thing. I, I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> it's either going to be absolute genius little self-contained episodes, comic strip things where it's kind of just more of a joke, a punchline, and then a next episode with a different joke and a punchline. I'm not sure how they're actually going to make it into any kind of continuous narrative or if they're even going to try to do that. But I think it's got the right people behind it to give it a chance to work. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but I do like some of the oatmeal comics. I do like the game Exploding Kittens. The artwork is really cute and really fun so if nothing else they're going to sell a bunch of merch well yes and Matthew Immen actually created or co-created Exploding Kittens which is why he's involved in this as well so yes and Shane Kozowski being involved in things like the Muppets and Archers so that gives you the sort of anarchic weirdness that you would need for something like this and you know Mike Judge Greg Daniels both very off the wall producers as well so there is an interesting tune behind it that uh, you know the voice cast is, I mean, almost a little bit irrelevant. But yes, Tom Ellis and Lucy Liu are good names to have in there. Uh, those, they those are, are, but they're expensive names to have in there. That's kind of like... Yes. I'm like, does it matter if you have really expensive voice actors known for things that aren't voice acting? Yeah. I, I always wonder, when I see stuff like that nowadays, I wonder if a lot of the budget has gone on recognisable names on the cast. Mm-hmm. Um, when we have a ton of incredible... Like, I'm not saying that they're bad voice actors. You know, they've done some good stuff but we have tons of voice actors who just do that who just voice cartoons who wouldn't come with that star movie expensiveness so i'm interested to see if that's where they've put a lot of budget um Mm. in order to get buzz around it which is not always a good sign but we'll see i'm happy to be proven wrong and yeah i'm gonna watch it it's called exploding kittens yes i mean i think it's gonna be one worth looking at at least just out of curiosity uh the animated series is coming in 2023 the mobile game is apparently launching on Netflix mobile app in May 2022. So that will be landing next month. And then the actual series itself will be some point in 2023. So keep an eye out for exploding kittens coming to a phone near you soon. That's all the news we've got for this week. Just some time for highlights for next week on TV. Highlights for next week. We have Grey's Anatomy returning for the second half of season 18. That's on the 27th of April on Sky Witness. Dollface, which is a 
brilliant, wonderful, and also slightly quirky off the wall series, which stars Kat Dennings as a woman who's been dumped by her boyfriend and ends up having to connect with her female friends. But it also has this weird cat lady in it as she sort of fantasizes about things. It's got that sort of weird Ali McBeal fantasy thing going on. It's wonderfully fun, that show. But uh, Dollface season two, 27th of April on Disney+. Plus. There is a show coming to Morphor called Royal Flying Doctor Service, which is, if you like those sort of medical dramas, this is an Australian one, which follows the Royal Flying Doctor Service. So it is a procedural thing, but looks like it could be slightly different. It's been getting reasonable reviews, I think. Morphor 28th of April at 9pm, and that's Royal Flying Doctor Service. 10% comes on to Prime Video. This is the UK remake of the very popular French series, Call My Agent. It's from the guys that did W1A, which gives you the idea of the sort of humour behind it. It's got a really good cast and some interesting cameos. I think this is going to be one worth watching. 28th of April for 10% on Prime Video. Over on Apple TV, they've got a new show called Shining Girls. That comes on the 29th of April. A Chicago newspaper archivist whose dreams of becoming a journalist were put on hold after a brutal attack that left her in a constantly shifting reality. It's Elizabeth Moss, I think, is the star of that one from Handmaid's Tale. So that's another good-looking Apple TV show that's called Shining Girls, 29th of April. Grace and Frankie returns for the second half of season seven, which is the final season as well. That's also on the 29th of April. And also coming to an end is Ozark. That's the second half of season four. That's also landing on the 29th of April, also on Netflix. Netflix. Devils Season 2, that arrives on Sky Atlantic. That's on the 29th of April at 9pm for that drama set in the world of financial bankers and stuff. But that looks like it's going to be good for the second season. And uh, Agatha Raisin, which is Ashley Jensen, back as the PR guru turned amateur sleuth Agatha Raisin. That's returning for Season 4 on Sky Max. That's on the 2nd of May at 8pm. So go and check that out. And that is everything coming from the next week on TV. If people want to find more of your silliness, where could they find you? I am a full-time streamer over on Twitch as Trista Bytes, spelled B-Y-T-E-S, because I thought I was being funny and forgot about podcasts. <laughs> and uh, I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all the social medias as Trista Bytes as well. I have a YouTube channel where I interview indie game and indie comic book creators, also under Trista Bytes, if people would like to check that out. But yeah, mostly I'm on Twitch talking about nostalgia and retro and indie and just having a laugh at mostly my own expense. Yes, and uh, we will laugh along with you as well because it is very funny. And uh, you, I like your... the way you word that, <laughs> laugh along with. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> yes, and, uh, what you injure yourself on frequently on stream. So uh, it's very, very funny. Uh, <laughs> so uh, go and check out Bex over on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bites. That's B-Y-T-E-S. You can go find her with all her streams over there. For Matt, you can go and find him over over on entertainmenttalk.org for lots more podcasts, including the Better Call Soul podcast, which, of course, returned this week as well because we had the first two episodes of that drop, which was brilliant as ever. Beginning of the end for Better Call Soul. It's the first part of the final season. So go and check that out over there, along with lots and lots of other podcasts at entertainmenttalk.org. And Daryl, you can find at hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those series that you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can go to the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest 
airdate information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, and on Instagram at geektownuk. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.